This is the Town Roots Podcast, episode number 34. Welcome to the Town Roots Podcast, the podcast of, about, and for Oakland. No matter if you live in the town, do business here, or are visiting, we have something for you. And now, your hosts, Anthony Wilson and Vincent Hayes. Today we're joined with Aaron from Minimo Wine Shop down in Jacqueline Square, and it's a fabulous wine shop, and they do natural wine, and, and I'm so eager to hear what natural wine is all about. But first, Aaron, welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I really yeah. appreciate it. Awesome. Vincent, how are you doing today? Good, good. Well, welcome, Aaron. Nice to see you. Thank you. Okay, well, well, Aaron, why don't we just kick it off? Tell us about Minimo. Tell us about natural wine. I'm excited to hear about what you guys do and how natural wine is different than the wine that we're all accustomed to. Sure. So at Minimo is both a wine shop and a wine bar, and we focus on small production, natural wines and ciders. And natural wine for us means that the farming side has to be organic or biodynamically farmed. So no chemicals in the vineyards at all. And then on the winemaking side, no unnecessary additions or subtraction. And the key component there is the fermentation has to be native or wild fermentation. There can't be cultured yeast. And there is minimal amounts of sulfur or none at all. Whereas just by comparison, most conventional wines can have probably up to 40, 50 different things that you can put in the winemaking process. It could be water, sugar, acids, sulfur. And with natural wine, you don't have any of that. It's simply just fermented grapes. What got you interested in natural wine? And more specifically, why doing natural wine versus doing sort of the wine that you had been accustomed to? I I think I've always gravitated to natural wine before before there was a buzz around it that there is now. I grew up in a family where wine was almost like part of our culture. My father is in agriculture and my mother is an Italian-American. So the Italian side of the family, wine was always on the table and there was always a sense of gathering around wine and food. But we, in my family, we always talked about wine in the same way that we talked about food, which was where did it come from? What did it look like? How was it farmed? How was it made? What does it mean to gather around it? It wasn't just about consuming alcohol. And so I, I, I was from a very early age interested in grapes in their most sort of natural way of being presented. And so the wines that I tended to drink came from small family farms where it wasn't about conventional winemaking or about commercialization. It really was the love around fermenting something without any additives, just the truest expression of it. So I came up around the community without necessarily knowing that it had this terminology of natural wine. So this is very interesting to me. So with natural wine, are you still getting the different types of blends that we are accustomed to, say a Pinot or Malot or all those things? Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, I, it's you still get all the blends and or single varietals. I think the biggest difference is that a lot of natural wine really tastes like smashed up fruit from the backyard. I mean, it has this sort of like it feels alive. It has this sort of rawness that is sort of different. It's not it's not necessarily polished or elegant or smooth it just tastes like wild alive fruit and a lot of people who have it for the first time are like whoa what is this this just tastes so exciting 
and dynamic and wonderful. And it's hard to go back once <laughs> you've had natural wine. But it's, it's, a, I always wanted to have a wine shop where we could introduce people, not necessarily to natural wines, even though that is the focus of the shop and has always been the focus of the shop. For me, it was more about bringing people together in a welcoming, accessible way where you didn't have to necessarily know things about wine and we could tell you the stories behind it and you could leave trying something new and take that story away with you. So even though the focus is on natural wine, the sort of premise of the shop is really an inviting space for the community to gather and really learn about wine in an unpretentious way. I'm looking at the the pictures of the shop on the website and it looks very inviting, but I also noticed that you also sell cider. So how did you come up with the pairing the two natural wine and cider? Yeah, the reason there's two reasons we carry cider. One is because we don't carry beer, and that's because we're located in Jack London, where there is so many wonderful breweries who are surrounding us that we really wanted to showcase that and in no way compete with that. But the reason for carrying ciders is because fermenting apples and fermenting grapes is the same process. And it always fascinated me to know that. How you make wine with grapes, it's the same way that you can make cider with apples. And that the natural process without any additives is can be the same way. And so all of our ciders are natural as well. There's no added sugar. They're just fermented apples. And similar to wine, it's amazing when you have a cider that has been naturally made because it really feels like just this alive fermented apple juice. It's very cool. So that was largely why we got into ciders, was to show people that there's a similarity between how you make wine and how you make cider. Aaron, tell me about the shop itself. What's the experience like? So I've been in your shop, and I thought it was a fantastic experience. But what do you guys do to make the experience unique versus a traditional wine shop? Sure. So the shop, we call it a shop, but there's two different areas of it. There is the retail portion, and then there's the wine bar. And back at the wine bar, we have a large, very long communal table because we've always liked this idea of people gathering together. So there's a long communal table and a very long bar, and we pour wines by the glass daily. And then on the weekends, we do tastings, and it's always around a theme that changes every weekend. In the retail portion of the shop, and you may have noticed this when you came in, there's there's no signage. And it's very intentional. We, we want you to have a conversation with us. So our idea is that we're welcoming you, almost like we're welcoming you into our home. And we want to introduce you to the shop, show you around, tell you what we're about. And then it's just about a dialogue, understanding what people are looking for in wine or what they like or what they don't like. And then we make recommendations for them. So a lot of the wines in the shop, and this is pretty common for natural wine, is it's not your usual suspects. In fact, I don't think I have a single Merlot or Zinfandel in the shop. It's A lot of it is off the beaten path vineyards and regions and grapes and varietals. We have wines from Morocco and the Canary Islands and Slovenia and Serbia. And our California wines come from Contra Costa and Lodi and Mendocino. But we're not, it's not, if you came to us looking for a Napa Valley Chardonnay, you would probably walk out with a ferment from Hungary. So it's really to get people to explore new things. 
And what do customers say after experiencing it for the first time? Do they say, this is what I thought? Or do they say, wow, I didn't know I was going to, I didn't know I was going to walk out with this Hungarian wine. (laughs) (laughs) It's more the latter. But I think that the, I think that the good part is that people trust us and they feel that it's not, we're not trying to upsell people. We're actually not even trying to sell people. It's, I always find it, excuse me, ironic that my background is in, I worked in nonprofit and art museums for 20 years, and I had never worked retail prior to opening this wine shop. So for me, it's not about a transaction. It's really about building relationship with people and really feeling like we have a good idea about what you're interested in, and now we want to introduce you to something new. And then they trust us and try that wine, and thankfully they come back and say that it was a good experience. I have a two-part question for you. First, let's explain like what made you create a wine shop and then also why did you create the wine shop in Oakland? Sure. I grew up in my family where wine was such, a, such an integral part of everything that we did. I took a liking to it very early on and not in terms of consumption, just in terms of something that I wanted to explore and learn about. And then when I was in college, my my father signed me up for a wine club. And it was for a friend of his, who's now a winemaker, who essentially went to Europe, spent time with really small family wineries or vineyards, took their wines, brought them back to the States, wrote a narrative about what the wines were, who the family is, what the vines look like the mills that they had with it, recipes for those mills. It was this whole narrative around this bottle of wine. It's called Passport. And I was really, it resonated with me that the story behind it matters so much. And that made me want to learn more. And so that kind of got me digging deeper and exploring wine and learning those stories and then wanting to share them with people. And I worked in art museums for 20 years and wasn't that dissimilar in that where in art museums, part of the role that my team and I had was it was largely around digital media and education and interpretation and technology. But it was about telling the stories behind behind works of art and how people in an art museum engage with works of art. But I found that I was always studying wine, thinking about wine, talking about wine, and I always wanted to open a wine shop. I I just, it took a huge leap of faith to walk away from an amazing art museum community and a great job to open a brick and mortar space about selling wine. And I think that the final thing for me is I just didn't want to wonder what if. I didn't want to constantly be saying like, what if I'd opened that wine shop? What would it have been like? And so I just decided to do it and to follow my love and my heart and to do it. And I wanted it to be in, in Oakland. I actually grew up in the Central Coast in the Central Valley. But my, I have a lot of family around the Bay Area. My sisters ended up moving to the Bay Area. And Oakland, for me, always had this feeling of a place where you could be any, anything you wanted to be. A wonderfully diverse community that is that really supports one another. And so as a queer woman opening a business, small business for the first time, focusing on natural wine in 2015, Oakland felt like home for me to do that. And it, that it really did come true. The community has been incredibly supportive. We're about to celebrate seven years and it's been a wonderful ride. Is there anything in particular about Jacqueline and Square or is it just where you found space or did you seek out a space? 
Uh, it's Jack Lennon. It, Jack Lennon was pretty intentional, and it was. It's largely because it's a neighborhood that has a, a really wonderful history and is also changing. Has it's been changing a lot, and it's been gentrifying over time. And I, I really wanted to be part of positive change in a neighborhood where you could have a small business owner who is connected to the neighborhood and was really about gathering community within Jack London as a neighborhood, but also bringing people to Jack London. And right from the outset, when I opened the wine shop soon after, I got involved in the Jack London Improvement District and was on the board of directors for three years as an integral part of what was happening and supporting one another and really advocating for diverse businesses coming into the district. And also, Jack London doesn't have a lot of retail. It's really known for more of a nightlife. So restaurants and bars and breweries for a coffee morning light. So there's a lot of roasters. But there, there really isn't a lot of retail spaces. We were one of the few. And it's a neighborhood that, that doesn't have a market or a pharmacy or a grocery store. And so I wanted to show that a retail space could exist in a neighborhood that is still growing and to attract more diverse businesses to come in after that. So, Aaron, what has most surprised you about being a small business in Oakland or owning a wine shop? It, I think the surprise of it is that what I set out to do has largely unfolded. It's, it's incredibly challenging to be a small business owner. There's no doubt about it. It's tiring and exhausting and you are always working. But the, the reward is it's something that you create and something that, that I love doing so much. And I think that the part that has surprised me is how much it really has become a community gathering space. That the, the people who gather there, we have seen become good friends with one another. And we've seen many people attend one another's weddings now. Or we have some customers who ended up being the witnesses at their marriage ceremony at City Hall. And we have customers who now travel together. They're such close friends. And so it's been really wonderful to see people come together who, in the beginning, didn't know one another. And now they have these rich relationships that came out of gathering at the wine shop of all places. So it sounds like you have a lot of regulars to come in. Is, it, is that fair to say? It is fair to say, but it's also one of those places where even if you're not a regular, I hope that what we've achieved is that the space is inviting enough yeah. that it could be your first time in the shop and you could track up a conversation with someone and really feel a connection immediately. Yeah. I would say that was my experience when I came to your shop. I don't think I noticed it, as you described it, that there were no there were there was no signage, but it definitely makes you talk to people, right? Because you're yeah. first like, well, what's kind of what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's great. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> so, at what point? Like, what was your aha moment? You're like, okay, I left this amazing art career, and now I have this wine shop. What was the point? You said I might have something here. I think that the first aha moment was. was probably after the second year. And those first two years as a small business owner, it's tough because you need to be financially stable. And it, I think that the first aha moment was knowing that it was working, that the model that we had was working and that it was going to be okay and I could keep going. It's We've seen a lot of, even in Jack London, we've seen a lot of businesses come and go in the last seven years. And I'm reminded every day of what it means as a small business owner to to be celebrating seven years. 
It's and I really my gratitude goes to the tremendous support, not only of, of our customers, but of Oakland and other small businesses. It's an amazing network of people who champion one another and share resources freely and are really about making sure that we all succeed together. So it's just it's been a really it's been a really wonderful trip. It's interesting. I've been looking at your website and I see that like you have a number of events where you have winemakers come in and kind of explain the process and their wines and all this. But during the pandemic, like how did that affect your business? Because I know that a lot of this is based on community and kind of the, I guess, the insight that you give on natural wine. So did that hurt you at all? Were you able to make your business continue to run well without people in the space? We we did. We we never shut our doors during the pandemic, which was really important to me. It's when we had that first shutdown happen, I just had this feeling that if we shut the door, it was going to be hard to reopen it. And so pretty quickly I learned that because our our retail license is classified as grocery, that we were an essential business. So oh, nice. we, <laughs> we could keep the retail shop open, we had to close the bar and the bar was closed for about a year and a half, which was really hard. But in that, in that first couple of months when no one could go inside a space and we didn't want anyone to come inside the retail shop to keep everyone safe, we instead, within 24 hours of the shutdown, we put up an online form that's still on our website that allowed people to order wine from us. And none of our inventory is online. So the experience is largely the same that you have with us in the shop where we say, what are you interested? How many bottles do you want? Do you want it to be red? Do you want it to be white? What's your price range? And then people just trusted us to put together a selection of wine without knowing what that wine is. And that's how people bought from us during the early phases of the pandemic. And what was also interesting was We, for those first couple of months, because people didn't want to leave their home, we ended up delivering wine to them. And my partner and I did it ourselves. So we were driving all around Oakland, delivering wine to our customers. And it actually felt really wonderful to stay connected with people. I'd stand on the sidewalk. I'd deliver the wine on the front porch, ring the doorbell, stand on the sidewalk. They'd come out and it felt really good to like stay connected and to see one another during a time that felt extremely isolating and scary without knowing what was happening. And so that level of connection felt really wonderful. So the retail side really continued in the same fashion as it would if you were in our shop, just kind of on a different form. The bar was closed for a long time, but we ended up opening a parklet. And the parklet has become a really wonderful place to gather and I think we're going to be able to keep it, which is great. But I love the idea that the parklet created a new way of gathering and activating the street. It's I would so much rather see people outside gathering than cars in front of our shop. And so I think it's done a really good job of creating more exposure. It's created a really wonderful job of having a new place for people to get together. It's, it's really been a wonderful thing. So we have the parklet, which has been really nice. And then in, in terms of like winemaker tastings, which of course we couldn't do during the pandemic, we, we did do a virtual tasting with a, a winemaker in the Republic of Georgia over Zoom. So we did experiment a little bit of bringing together people on Zoom where they got the wines in advance. 
we had a winemaker in another country and we all gathered and talked about that wine with the winemaker. And, and that was also a lovely experience. So we found ways to stay connected. Did you have the equivalent of a wine club before the pandemic? Yes. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. All right. So the pandemic kind of just expanded. Were you doing the deliveries yourself? To that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We never delivered before the pandemic. And oh. we did at that brief moment during the pandemic. But now we don't do it anymore. But uh, yeah, we. I mean, it's a... With alcohol, we do shipping, but with alcohol, it's a little bit different where restaurants can have things delivered through third-party sources. But if you're an alcohol-only business, like a retail shop, you can't. And so the only way to actually deliver wine was for us to do it ourselves. So before that, did people have to come pick it up from the shop? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. No, that's interesting. And I think you might have, might be... Maybe someone else told us they didn't shut down. But I would say this. The people like you who had like a grocery license told us that they didn't shut down. But uh, but that's good that you guys slid in under that. You didn't have to shut down. You <laughs> keep going. So do you feel like you're stronger after this? Or the things that you learned that you say, hey, because of that experience, we're doing things better than we were before? I certainly think that we're stronger from it. I think, I think the word pivot is a little bit overused. But I think that a lot comes from feeling the pressure on a weekly basis to adapt and figure out how to survive it as a business and to really focus on why you do it and what it means and how to keep that going. So I think we're stronger from it. I still think that we're still in a post-pandemic phase. And and especially here in the Bay Area, I think that it's been slow to get people back out and exploring their neighborhoods and going out to businesses. So we're not nearly at the levels that we were pre-pandemic. But in in some ways, I feel that we're a stronger community from what we've all gone through. And I think that is something that's going to help us all going forward. So, Aaron, I have a quick question because I'm trying to wrap my mind around natural wine. So if someone stumbles upon your wine bar and they aren't familiar with, with aren't familiar with natural wine, what do you do to break the ice with them to kind of get them to understand, like, this is going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be a what type of experience? So how do you explain it? Yeah, the, so the, we, the way that we explain it is we first define what it means. So we explain our definition of natural wine, and then we explore a little bit around taste. So with without in any way saying that there is a conventional wine is perfectly fine. So I don't talk about it in a way that's meant to say that one is better than the other. But a conventional wine is there is a playbook for how it's made so that it can taste a certain way vintage after vintage. So a lot of people are expecting Napa Valley Cab to, especially from a certain producer, to, to taste a certain way every single year and have these notes that people talk about. It's richness or it's complexity or the influence of oak when people talk about wine. Whereas is natural wine is very different. It is because you have removed all those elements and there isn't a playbook and it truly is just the natural expression of the grape. It varies vintage to vintage and it changes almost even every time that you taste it. It can evolve even throughout the course of a year. So we, we really talk about it as a way that's a more raw expression of the fruit. And natural wine, it, it can be earthy. It can smell stinky sometimes, like you're out in the middle of a field. And those are all just things that are natural in the winemaking process that conventional wine 
can add things to take away so that you have a more consistent tasting beverage. But with natural wine, all of those, you can call them flaws or you can call them just the true element of the grape. All those things are there. So it's a little bit like the difference between eating a tomato that you grew in your backyard that smells like the earth and falls apart in your hand when you're eating it fresh off the vine, a tomato, versus one that you get in the grocery store that's been picked early and it has less, less of, it's still wonderful, but may have less of that element of rawness that when you first pick it from a vine in the backyard and you eat that tomato in your yard. So there's, it's, there's some subtleties and, and other things that are sort of more obvious about the two. Hey, Aaron, this has been fantastic. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, did it make you want to try natural wine? Uh, yes, it did. And so I'm actually going to try and sneak in there this weekend. My family's under the weather right now, but I'm feeling great. So I'm going to leave them behind and come try you out. That's great. And there's a great scene on the block where you guys are because you guys are there. There are a couple of breweries down there. There's like food trucks out there on Friday night. So yeah. it's a real, there's a good energy down there. Yeah, I agree. It's a nice place. Hey, Aaron, this has been fantastic. And I'm so glad that we did this because several people suggested that we talk to you. So I'm so glad that we're finally able to get this done. How can people find Minimo? So we are located on 423rd Street, which is just off of Broadway in Jack London. And it's for a lot of people who think of Jack London as Jack London Square. So the waterfront, there's this really wonderful, vibrant community that's just off the square. And so I, I always say that it's really great to explore what's happening on 3rd Street or 4th Street in Jack London, which is often sort of also referred to as the warehouse district. And so we're physically located there. You can also find us on Instagram at Minima Wine. And on Instagram is where every week we post what the tasting is going to be for the weekend. And then, of course, our website is Minima Wine. So that's where you can find it. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure, and I appreciate you doing this series. You've highlighted a lot of wonderful people, and I'm it's really I'm grateful to be a part of it. Thank, thank, thank you for listening to the Town Roots Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the hosts, head over to www.townroots.com. 